This is what you're fighting for. I mean, every day you're out there. What they're doing is blowing people off. If you continue to look the other way and shut up, then the oppressors, the authoritarians get total control and total power. Because this is just like in Arizona. This is just like in Georgia. It's another element that backs them into a quarter and shows their lies and misrepresentations. This is why this audience is going to have to get engaged. As we've told you, this is the fight. All this nonsense, all this spin, they can't handle the truth. War Room Battleground. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Okay, welcome back. It's Thursday, 22 June, year of alert, 2023. Thank you for sticking around for the second hour. Natalie Winters joins us. Natalie, we've got now all this controversy about a uh, about a forward base in in Cuba. Uh, you see that they're they're hitting us with chemical warfare of fentanyl um, up through the Mexican border. They're active part. The CCP is an active part of the invasion of the southern border. You see this with the folks coming through the Darien Gap. Uh, but I want to go back uh, to to House Intel and to Mike Turner and and you know we, we've been on Turner and these guys of not being aggressive about the Chinese Communist Party. They are clearly suppressing the investigations of Sequoia Capital, and you've done a great job there with uh, Brian Costello and others of, of tying those knots together. But the we've waited now for this origins of the of uh, of COVID from the Wuhan lab, and we had Cash on this morning, and Cash was acting director of DNI. Uh, in fact, excuse me, he was, uh, I think, deputy at DNI, not acting, deputy at DNI, uh, when they had President Trump initiate this entire process with the, the intelligence community. So what, what do we know? The New York Times is putting stories up. What do we know of what actually is happening? We know Blinken never mentioned it uh, in his meeting with the CCP. What do we know about what's coming out from House Intel about the origins of the uh, of the bioweapon that destroyed the American economy in the balance sheet of the United States, ma'am. Well, I think that's sort of the buried lead of Blinken's visit to China and why I think that benchmarker is actually very important to sort of contextualize this broader discussion about the origins of COVID, specifically through the lens of this congressional report, because it seems like a lot of the criticism that is being hurled at this committee, which I think, frankly, is very valid, um, is that they're not really either A, releasing all of the evidence in its entirety, and it sort of seems to be just sort of a soft-winded cover-up, um, not just for the Chinese Communist Party, but more precisely for the American institutions, specifically Anthony Fauci's NIAD agency that funneled taxpayer funds to the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Um, and why Blinken's visit, I, I think, is so important. People may recall you know, this this COVID origin story is something that we've obviously been harping on about uh, for a very long time here, for years in the war room. And it seems like every couple of months, every couple of months or so, it sort of rears its ugly head um, in the mainstream press, often with a specific angle or, or slant. And people may recall the last time the lab leak theory enjoyed, uh, I would say, some level of validation uh, usually it starts in the Wall Street Journal, makes its way to the New York Times. It's sort of this this process um, was when the spy balloon flew over the United States. That was when we saw the low confidence report leak from the Department of Energy um, in terms of COVID leaking from a lab. So I think the Biden regime uh, and, and elements within it, obviously the Democratic Party, but more the establishment wing, or at least the apparatus of the Republican Party that is controlled by Chinese Communist Party cash, a la Mike Turner via Sequoia. I think any time that the Bidens uh, really just captured by the Chinese Communist Party is on full display. I think the relevant story now is, of course, the spy base in Cuba. Um, it seems like they sort of try to deflect uh, by giving the American people, you know, breadcrumbing them along with some of these Wuhan lab stories. And this might be an unnecessarily, you know, black pilled or, or jaded view to take on the story. But you have to remember, these are the same media outlets uh, that had they printed these stories two years ago, they'd be laying, you know, uh, full force the entire function of the United States government and the censorship machine uh, to call these people conspiracy theorists. So I think it's important to just contextualize why we're hearing about it now. Um, but in, ter in terms of the actual committee and the evidence they're releasing, I mean, citizen journalists and investigative reporters and activist groups, specifically like the White Coat Waste Project, which 
is by no means some, you know, flame-throwing MAGA Trump group. They're more kind of in the camp of, of PETA and like animal rights activists. It's through the work of these groups and the Freedom of Information Act requests that they've filed that we've probably found out more about the origins of COVID uh, than any single shred of activity that this committee has done. The best and latest example is, of course, the unearthing of the identity of the three researchers um, at the Wuhan Institute of Virology, specifically the name of Ben Hu, who was the first really ground zero case of COVID-19, who happened to be working on bat coronavirus studies at, of course, the U.S. taxpayer-funded Wuhan Institute of Virology. But that was obtained via a White Coat Waste Project Freedom of Information Act request. Um, so when, when you think about the resources that this congressional committee would have had uh, in their power, whether it's subpoenaing Peter Doshak, actually making Anthony Fauci sit down for an interview, even people like Peter Hotez, some of these more ancillary figures who had involvement at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. I mean, where's Ralph Barrick? There's all these names of people that we've certainly called out on this show um, that have seemed to sort of get a free pass from this committee. So it, it leaves me scratching my head as someone who's obviously studied Chinese Communist Party influence operations and how they peddle that influence on Capitol Hill. Of course, they're really going to put all of their, their assets, and I use that term intentionally, and resources to cover up for them on what may be their most cardinal sin, which is, of course, the bioweapon that is COVID-19. Uh, but I really think it is just an affront and really offensive to the American people um, that, you know, the report that they're going to put out is is just so weak. Natalie, go back and, and remind people, tell people who, uh, I think what's called patient zero, Ben who? Number one, who is he? Why is he important? And why did it take an independent? Why are we hearing his name from a FOIA request from an independent, one of these independent research groups? And, and that was not presented over the last three years we've been on top of this. Uh, from a from a government source, walk us through Ben Ben who, um, why is he important? Why is patient zero important? And why do we have to wait uh, the the white coat uh, outside group waste group uh, it, it gets a FOIA request answered years after the fact? You know, it's I would say a million dollar question, but it's probably more of a billion, if not trillion dollar question, because it goes back to the Chinese Communist Party and the, the control that they, they run over this this city that is Washington, D.C. But specifically on contextualizing who Ben, who is, I mean, he sort of is the smoking gun that undercuts the entire so-called wet market theory, uh, because like I said, he was ground zero. He was the first patient that was identified as having COVID-19. He wasn't some shop worker selling, you know, pangolins to be eaten uh, in a wet market. He actually was, and what's so interesting, uh, a researcher at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. But obviously this lab has a lot of different kind of subunits and task forces that are working on different things, you know, including Chinese Communist Party committees and communist youth leagues and a United Front Work Department. But I'll digress on that point for a sec. But Ben Hu was specifically working on bat coronavirus research underneath this program um, that was funded in concert uh, primarily by Anthony Fauci's National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. And like I said, his work was specifically on bat coronaviruses under the umbrella of gain of function research. Uh, people may recall, you know, Rand Paul had that amazing exchange, the first one at least with Anthony Fauci where he talks about this gain-of-function research, the manipulation of bat coronavirus um, pathogens and different strains, making them uh, more virulent and lethal for humans. But that grant program was called Understanding the Risk of Bat Coronavirus Emergence. The first study under that grant was published in 2014. Um, it concluded, that at least the last one that was published, was published in 2021. Uh, there, there were about 30 studies that were, were published underneath the purview of that grant. And what's so interesting is that 16 of the 30 count researchers from the Wuhan Institute of Virology. So that's, of course, a Chinese Communist Party-run lab, but where really the smoking gun is. And I think, to me, what is the most ridiculous part about this COVID origins um, subcommittee is that you know, this is reporting that I had done back when I was, I think, 19 uh, at the National Pulse. But most of these studies were funded alongside the National Natural Science Foundation of China, 
which though it sounds very, you know, friendly and innocuous, this is a group uh, that even if you go to their website, they directly admit that they're part of China's military civil fusion strategy. They funded over 75 studies alongside the People's Liberation Army. If you look, they give preferential treatment um, to military-focused studies. You can see them working if you if you read all the studies that they've published um, alongside various units of the PLA, their artillery academy. Uh, this is a, a branch of the Chinese military through and through, and this was one of the partnering organizations, not just with the, uh, Anthony Fauci's NIAD on all these Wuhan studies, but all the way back even in 2010, um, Anthony Fauci and his deputy signed a memorandum of understanding with this group to broaden research collaboration with the Chinese Communist Party, um, really in all endeavors. So I think that was sort of the opening salvo in terms of Chinese Communist Party research collaboration. And just a, a fun fact for the war room posse, the individual who actually was sent to Beijing, um, Anthony Fauci's deputy, to sign the memorandum was the it was the guy, his name is... Um, uh, Auchincloss, whose son is actually also a member, a Democratic member on this COVID subcommittee, but that's not even the smoking gun. Uh, he was picked as Anthony Fauci's temporary replacement. So I think when you know you want to answer your question of why this COVID subcommittee is not getting to to the bottom of it, uh, it's because I think unfortunately a lot of these institutionalized committees, the ones that aren't dealing with FOIA requests from activist groups like the White Coat Waste Project. Uh, oftentimes their MO is not actually investigation, uh, but their MO is cover up disguised as investigation. Okay, before I let you go, I just want to drill down on that one more time. Your, your belief, right, as somebody has been on this for three years, your, your, your belief is that the reason that the classified version is not out, because they had to put that out, it would, it would, it, it, the whole report would have to be out and you would see where they pulled their punches on really getting into any of the involvement of government officials or programs funded by U.S. taxpayers. So is that your central belief that the that this is not about sources and methods, uh, and that's why Turner's group is not Turner over at House Intel is not releasing it, but that would really expose the weakness of of the drill they've really done because to get it, I mean, if they had you and Colonel Derek Carvey and two or three others. We could get the we could have the whole thing laid out, but that you don't believe that they've gone and done the hard pick and shovel work you need to do to connect all the dots here and kind of the convergence of interest between the U.S. administrative state and the biomedical industry in the Chinese Communist Party Party's bioweapons program. I mean, Steve, there's enough information that is available through public source data. I mean, just the studies themselves that, frankly, you wouldn't even need this subcommittee. To, to actually connect the dots. It's great that we have it and they have the power of the subpoena, which I, I don't really even know if they've actually effectively used. Um, but it's it's very clear. Um, you know, we don't need this committee to be the arbiters of truth to the American people. Um, and like I said to you, if you watch the interviews of the chairman, at least from the Democratic side, Jim Himes, like every answer that he gave, he somehow found a way to work in the term Anthony Fauci and basically mount a defense for him. So I stand by what I said. I don't really think, uh, again, I haven't praised this committee since its inception because um, I don't think it's deserving of it because I, I don't really think that they've been investigating. Otherwise, I think we would have seen Peter Doshak testify. But just like we can add to the list of, you know, where's Hunter? Where's Peter Doshak? Where's Ralph Barrick? Uh, it seems like they've gotten just a, sort of a, a sweetheart deal. You talk about leak, Rafe You talk about a leak capture. You've seen this fiasco of the last couple of days with Durham. Um, you've seen this fiasco with the Hunter Biden deal. You've seen the fact that um, um, the, the the fiasco around shift, and it looks like a lack of aggressiveness of uh, the the establishment and people who control the committees in, in the Republican Party to really get on with it as far as these investigations go, whether it's judiciary, weaponization of government, the House Intel, even the COVID Origins uh, Committee. Um, and knowing what you know about uh, the CCP's involvement in the cash flow that's coming through places like um, uh, Sequoia, is what can we, will would you expect anything different to happen in the way the system works or we have to actually go in now and just take apart the system because 
obviously with the, the if you look at the schematic and the way the incentive structure is, you're you're going to continue to get what you get, ma'am. I mean, of course, all these people subscribe to the doctrine of managed decline, and the biggest financier of that is the Chinese Communist Party. So they're not going to bite the hand that feeds them and basically tank their entire reputation and career within D.C. establishment world uh, to be the one member that singles out the Chinese Communist Party for what they did with COVID. It really is as simple as these people just want to be able to get their board appointments uh, and cushy foreign lobbying gigs. Uh, after they lose their their primaries because they voted for the debt ceiling extension, but that's really the the, the symptom here. That's the issue um, that these these people are not MAGA. These people don't actually care about the America First agenda. That obviously goes without saying. Um, but DC is is a club and it's run by leadership. And when Kevin McCarthy is also on the take with uh, Sequoia and FTX. I mean, how can you have an appetite to take down the Chinese Communist Party when they're quite literally funding you? That's conflict of interest. It's a textbook example. Natalie, how do people get to your reporting, your investigations, uh, social media, all of it? I'm Natalie G. Winters on all platforms. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you for being on here and explaining it all to us. Appreciate it. Thank you. Let me go back. We got Ben Harnwell, and Ben's going to join us from Rome momentarily. But I want to play uh, because I want to get Natalie. I want to set the predicate with what Natalie was talking about about the way the system works, and then let's go ahead and play what we played this morning. Uh, this is uh, um, uh, Matt Gates laying out who's an America First guy and not obviously a hawk for the use of the military. He comes from Pensacola, which has got one of the largest naval bases in the world. Uh, in his domain, and the folks there realize that he's got their best interests in mind. You want to use American force when you have to use it. But right now, we're in a situation, a quite frankly dire situation that's getting more dire every day, and it's about the managed decline of what uh, Natalie talked about. And, and not only do you have this situation coming up in Durban, South Africa, in 60 days about the really the alternative to the U.S. dollar, uh, you've got the situation, the chemical warfare that they're running against us, the second opium war on fentanyl, and now you've got a dagger. You've got a dagger at the heart, uh, right at um, right in uh, in Cuba. So as as things heat up around Taiwan, as things heat up around maybe shifting to a kinetic war, uh, they've gotten only more and more aggressive. Let's go ahead and play Matt Gates. To all of my hawk friends on the committee who think I'm too much of a dove, this amendment is an authorization to use military force given to President Biden to take out the Chinese assets in Cuba. Part of China's leveraged buyout of Russia has been them taking control of Russian property and Russian assets in Cuba and then vastly improving those. So, like, whereas we didn't really care too much about the Russians having 1960s technology 90 miles south of Florida, we are increasingly concerned and should be a lot more concerned that China right now is functionally turning Cuba into a stationary aircraft carrier right off the coast of Florida. And so I do not offer this authorization to use military force as, an, as, as uh, in any way an effort to spark or provoke war. I loathe war. I stand against war. I try to wind them down when we can. But in this case, I believe giving the president the authority to take out these Chinese assets in Cuba might be the very thing necessary to prevent war, to deter the Chinese from putting this in. And it is amazing to me how much we have allowed the Monroe Doctrine to just atrophy right out from underneath us. It, we would never have allowed these types of encroachments by China into Latin America, into the Bahamas, the Caribbean, Cuba, if we really cared about the Monroe Doctrine. So while the Foreign Affairs Committee has unfortunately asserted equities here, and I won't, I'll have to withdraw the amendment, I do think we need to have a very serious conversation about what these China bil Chinese buildups in Cuba mean, and we cannot view them through the same lens that we viewed uh, Russia's participation uh, in, in Cuba's military enterprise. Remember, they're still fighting over a 20-year, 22-year uh, use of military, uh, authorization of mil use of military force, um, AUMF, um, from Iraq and Afghanistan that, that, you know, I've been saying they're using for Ukraine, and we ought to bring tr uh, Biden uh, to the House to make a, a war powers declaration 
because what's happening in Ukraine is completely and totally uh, unacceptable. Uh, with our funneling billions and billions, now hundreds of billions of dollars over there. We're going to get Harnwell here in a second to talk about it. But here, they're enveloping, you know, we had in the 5 o'clock show about Modi. Modi is, uh, you know, Modi is 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 here uh, today at the White House, and he's the linchpin of the quad strategy. The quad strategy is the containment of China on the Eurasian landmass. And that ain't going too well right now. Because now that the Chinese Communist Party have the Russians as, as their junior partner, you're seeing uh, between Persia and Iraq in the House of Saud, and I think even maybe UAE, uh, you know, our buddies in the Gulf, the Persians in, uh, in uh, Tehran, the mullahs, uh, the KGB in Moscow, uh, the Pakistan Intelligence Service, which is booted out, was Imran Khan, like it has him in jail, uh, as they've taken over and they're partners with the CCP. India's feeling pretty exposed there as a centerpiece for the Quad, where you have Japan, Korea, uh, Taiwan, Vietnam, you know, the, the littoral nations around the South China Sea, Philippines. Then you get to Australia and in, uh, in India, people are feeling, hey, how is this going to work? Blinken, go, Blinken goes over there and kowtows to the CCP, says we believe in the one China policy, says, oh, yeah, but, you know, um, we we believe in we don't believe in Taiwan independence and won't defend Taiwan independence. Mark Mitchell's on the show this morning. Mark Mitchell from uh, from Rasmussen and says now what sixty percent of the American people support Taiwan independence. I think what's over seventy percent understand the CCP is an existential threat to the United States of America, and that's before the envelopment. You know the the counter envelopment here. They're trying to use they're trying to use Cuba as a, as a as a chip as a chip to get uh, to take Taiwan. They're trying, to, they're trying to, remember, Sun Tzu, their philosophy of warfare is to defeat the enemy without firing a shot. They do not want to take on foreign devils uh, in a kinetic war. They only want to do that when they have overwhelming superiority. They don't, because the regime is so, it, 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 it's so uh, shaky that a massive military defeat uh, would bring it down, like the, the, the military defeat uh, in the in the Russian, uh, you know, the Russian Japanese War, what in 1905 eventually brought down the czars, right? You take a massive defeat, particularly at the hands of an Asians, uh, it doesn't it doesn't sit too well. The CCP's in the reverse situation. If they had a big military defeat, kinetic defeat, they might fall. They don't want to risk that. They, they and they don't have to, in in their philosophy, because with unrestricted warfare, they're winning. They're in a hot war. They're in an aggressive war. And unrestricted warfare, information war, cyber war, political warfare, and economic warfare. And now they're in development as we're distracted uh, in Ukraine and all the news every night, Ukraine, Ukraine, Ukraine. Uh, well, maybe not so much anyway, because we don't want to talk about the, the, the much heralded, long awaited spring offensive. And Ben Harner will be here momentarily to talk about that. Um, they, they are enveloping us. Direct involvement in the Canadian elections. The Canadians are investigating that right now, but to open secret in Canada, they, they were involved in the Canadian elections, and Trudeau and these guys have done nothing but kowtow to them. You've got, the chem they're in both chemical and biological war with us, biological war through the pandemic, chemical war through fentanyl, fentanyl killing, what, 100, 150,000 people a year, and crippling, men. that's just the dead. I'm not even talking about the lives run. A massive impact, particularly in working-class America and in the inner cities, right? Uh, the, the invasion of the southern border. You've got now CCP military-aged men coming up through the Darien Gap. People, you know, we're, the, the, Todd Benzman, the team, talk about it all the time. They're already in the Caribbean. They've they've got an embassy in the Caribbean that that looks like the Pentagon, right? It's all to, to tap into the underwater cables, the submarine cables, and to track our submarine traffic coming in and out of our bases on the east coast and in, in the Caribbean. They're in Brazil. Lula goes over and counts. The first, first thing does, Lula says, I'm a partner of these guys. That's Liebenstrom for the CCP. It's, it's, where they're, it's what Hitler was looking at, the Ukraine and other aspects of that part of Russia for natural gas, oil, and wheat. That's what the CCP looks at, uh, looks at the Amazon and looks at all the resources and commodities out of, uh, out of Brazil. And now you've got them in Cuba. And oh, by the way, in 60 days in Durban, South Africa. They're hitting the United States from every aspect possible, and we're not doing anything about it. We're sending Anthony Blinken. Or give me a break. You see this pencil neck? You're sending Anthony. These people are the most hardened criminals 
the Chinese Communist Party has killed multiples of people more than Hitler killed of, of his own people. Now, Hitler got into a war and they lost the war. The Holocaust was, what, six million plus? And there was obviously, uh, and I think that was the Jews. That doesn't include the gypsies or Roma. It doesn't include the Catholics. doesn't include the, the uh, LGBTQ community, uh, you know, the gays, all that. You know, roll those up to another couple of million, let's say. He executed, what, in political murder, you know, maybe another 10 million, 10, 20, 25 million. Let's round up, okay, without the warfare part. The CCP starved to death 40 million of their own people. Starved to death. No problem. And the Great Leap Forward, when it didn't work out, the collectivization of farms starved to death. Cultural revolution, we don't know how many. They think 40 or 50 million people died there in the political repression in the camps. These people have absolutely no, there is no, uh, they have no problem whatsoever killing their own people. This is a murderous dictatorship. And you're going to send Anthony Blinken, or Anthony Blinken's the guy you're going to go send? to kowtow to these guys and to beg. Remember, they refuse that to bring up multiple plans. They refuse to have military-to-military communications. They don't want it. They don't want it because there's nothing to talk about. They're running the tables. What's to talk about? We don't need dialogue. It's the Americans begging on the knees as a tributary state for dialogue. Short commercial break. We're going to look at the other side. We're going to look at the B side of the album, Ukraine. Haven't you noticed it's gotten pretty quiet about the spring offensive or now they call it the counteroffensive and the shift of terms but they're talking every day if you read the business section if you follow what's happening in the times of london or the financial times they're talking all about the reconstruction the reconstruction of ukraine is all about to begin ben harnwell live from rome next here in the world well congress once again allowed itself to be pushed into appeasing the administration and raising the debt ceiling For the 79th time, paving the way for continued reckless spending and further devaluation of the U.S. dollar. As our national debt continues to skyrocket, how are you protecting your savings? Times like these are a great reminder to diversify a portion of your savings into gold. And you can do that with the help of Birch Gold. Here's the easiest way to do it. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold, and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. As BRICS, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa band together against the dollar, more and more central banks are diversifying. You know what they're buying. Gold. Follow their lead. Text Bannon, B-A-N-N-O-N, to 989898 for your free info kit on gold. There's no obligation just information with an A plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and thousands of happy customers. Birch Gold can help protect your savings too. Text Bannon B A N N O N to nine eight nine eight nine eight. Do it today. Follow the central banks of the BRICS. Take action, 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 and take that action today. CovidTaxRelief.org got a small retail business almost $80,000. COVIDtaxrelief.org got a manufacturing business nearly two hundred and fifty grand, And COVIDtaxrelief.org just got a large distribution business almost $900,000. If you run a business, church, or nonprofit and paid your employees through all or part of the pandemic, you could qualify for up to $26,000 per employee through the government's CARES Act. But beware of clickbait or pay upfront companies who make you do the work and take a huge percentage of your refund. COVIDtaxrelief.org receives a low reasonable commission only after you receive your refund. And with 300 CPAs and tax experts, no one is better at getting you the maximum benefit than COVIDtaxrelief.org. Visit COVIDtaxrelief.org now because this plan expires soon. That's COVIDtaxrelief.org, COVIDtaxrelief.org. The refund examples are not a guarantee and not all businesses qualify. That's why you have to check today with COVIDtaxrelief.org. For War Room veterans, you know we have been all over this supply chain issue 
with China in medications and the uh, active pharmaceutical ingredients. China has a stranglehold on us where there's a way to break that. Jace Medical. I got an emergency medication kit from them. The FDA just declared a global shortage of medication and warned that critical antibiotics are in stream short supply across the United States. But you know that because you're a viewer or listener of the show. Now, here's the action you can take to correct. Do yourself and your family a favor and get your Jace case right now. It's a pack of five prescription antibiotics you'll have on hand for common emergencies. Just visit jacemedical.com. That's Jace, J-A-S-E, jacemedical.com. Take a few minutes and fill out the form. Your information will be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medication will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. You'll be glad you have the Jace case. Go to Jace Medical. That's one word, J-A-S-E, medical.com, and enter code Bannon at checkout for a discount on your order. That's promo code Bannon at Jace, J-A-S-E, medical.com. You know what the problem is because you've watched the show. You can break, you can take action and break that problem by going to Jace Medical and get your Jace case today. Action, action, action. War Room Battleground with Stephen K. Bannon. We must move from vision to agreements and from agreements to real projects. There is a Ukrainian delegation in London that will present concrete things that we propose to do together. Okay, welcome back. So, Ben, I think he said we're going to go from visions to agreements, to action plans? Is that the, the, why is this guy even talking about this? Uh, because I thought he was in a quag, we're officially in a quagmire now with the failure to launch of the, was it the spring offensive or the counteroffensive? What's the term of art that our enemies are using here, sir? Good evening, Steve. Well, the, the present term is counteroffensive. It's had all, the, all temporal aspects removed from it so they can just stick with this term and keep on going now safe in the knowledge that if nothing is delivered they can keep on running with the present description um, now look steve nothing gets my beady cynical eyes a glittering like the prospect of president Zelensky um bitching to to the west for more money that's exactly what he said in in that clip um my favorite quote, however, and I can't seem to find any video footage of this, not, in, not entirely surprisingly, but I have to thank the great guys at the, um, at the European Conservative, because it's the only, of, of which, by the way, I, I am on the board, um, which is the only news organization in the world to, to produce the following quote, which I'm now going to read. President Zelensky stressed that the reconstruction of Ukraine is not only a global task, but an ideological responsibility for the entire West. That's what he said. Now, I, I can understand why, why um, all the, the occult powers that, that drive the West have done their best to suppress this, um, this particular utterance, because it is so audacious um, in its insistence that um, not only, of course, according to President Zelensky, does the West have a, 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 a self-interest, according to President Zelensky, to deter, deter and eject Russia from Ukraine. It now has a, an ideological responsibility to invest in uh, the rebuilding, the reconstruction of Ukraine, which on the war room, I'm very proud to say we have been um, calling right from the beginning the mother of all grift, because that is exactly what it is. Um, but how much money, Steve, are we talking about? Well, um, Ursula von der Leyen, uh, who also addressed this conference, spoke um, citing the World Bank um, uh, figure, which is 411 billion. That's how much the World Bank says uh, needs uh, to be um, invested in Ukraine. And every single cent, every single US cent, every single European cent, every single UK pound, penny, um, will 
will be diverted and directed via President Zelensky's office. Um, and he, he, President Zelensky himself, a couple of days ago, had one of his apparatchiks out saying on the BBC that there's very low um, accountability for where all of this money is going because Ukraine is simply overwhelmed with assistance and doesn't have the infrastructure uh, to, to properly account for everything that's been given to it. I would gently suggest that the, the correct question the BBC should have pushed back um, against that Ukrainian official was, well, that it, fair enough if you're going to say that now. If you're expecting $411 billion to come your way, yeah, perhaps you, you, you should have more, um, uh, more um, professional, reputable, credible accounting systems in place. Steve, I'll close on this particular point with this observation. <laughs> of course, the whole point, Steve, the whole point right from the beginning was the grift of the reconstruction. Uh, and and exactly. that, that, that's why, right, and it's so obvious. Remember, that's the purpose of the exercise. That's why it's it's actually the BBC asked it right. The spread, I should just tell the audience, the spread is four hundred eleven billion is the low end of the scale. It's up to over a trillion. And correct me if I'm wrong, BlackRock, which is driven by American pension fund money, and J.P. Morgan, the largest bank in the United States, they've already announced the, the beginning of they're forming a joint venture to do the reconstruction bank. So the trains left the train shed, has it not, uh, Brother Harnwell? Yeah, it, it has. Um, and of course, you know, it's not particularly surprising that it's the World Bank, by the way, um, that, that, that is pushing this particular figure, because what, what better grift is there for, for these in, international institutions to be lending out money underwritten by and provided, obviously, by the West taxpayers? The World Bank will lend that out and then the profits, supposedly, will come back for the glory of the bank. Um, it's obviously it's it's a fix, Steve. It's it's a grift. It's it's this has been the operation for a whole year. We've been watching the the cogs slowly turn, and we've been pointing out every single ratchet that those cogs have been made. And now we see, whilst the war is apparently still in progress, that there's this conference in London over the last couple of days has over a thousand politicians there, um, some four hundred multinational uh, businesses. We're told one hundred and thirty NGOs. 32 international organizations, all of these, if you, you know, I, I don't want to be, I don't want to be disrespectful. Um, but if you imagine a trough with pig swill and they've all got their greasy sort of dripping snout in their little curly tails, sort of wagging with anticipation. And that is what's going on in London right now. Because apparently, apparently in the West, we don't need investment in our resources here. We don't need our roads and our hospitals and our schools uh, rebuilt uh, or, or President Biden promised to build back better. Um, that's all being diverted now to, um, to Ukraine. And it is in your face and it's a brazen and, and um, overt. And there's very little and up until um, January 2025. There's very little anyone can do about it. I want to go now to the uh, the purpose of the exercise is the grift, but the sidebar is the actual fighting. Mm. Ben, it is shocking to me, and I've got a pretty jaundiced eye, how the mainstream media has absolutely gone quiet. This is the long-awaited, much-heralded spring offensive. You know, it's going to be combined arms. The mission was to go get Crimea and take Crimea back, and in route they were going to free the east, uh, eastern uh, Russian-speaking Donbass region. Uh, Zelensky still says he dismisses anytime Trump mentions anything or anybody mentions anything, he dismisses it out of hand. They're not sitting down with Putin. They're not sitting down with anybody. The Russians must leave all territory, must leave all territory of Ukraine, all this contested territory, before there's even a sit-down to discuss a peace. This is all predicated upon battlefield victories. And from everything I'm reading, everything I'm talking to people about, the the much heralded, long awaited spring offensive has already ground to a halt. Can you get us up to speed on that? Yes, Steve. It has. Uh, the Ukrainians currently boast having retaken eight villages. Count them, eight villages. Um, and the excuses now for the lack of progress. And don't forget, of course, uh, the the West has given sort of tens of billions dollars worth of military aid in preparation 
for this um, spring offensive now counter offensive. Um, the, the the response is is that um, and I quote and I quote President Vladimir Tempesensky himself. He says the war is not a Hollywood movie. Um, now that's funny that he said. I mean, the darling of the Oscars ceremonies, right? The guy uh, who goes, to, uh, who's beamed into musical festivals around the world, is is now gaslighting us, the world. Um, but this isn't entertainment. Um, fair enough. His formal excuse is that there are um, seventy-seven thousand square miles of mined territory that the Russians ha- have protected in um, in advance. And the Ukrainians are just making slow progress through that, and they can't do it any quicker, and they won't be put under pressure. He hasn't just described who he's put, who's putting him under the pressure, but he did he did leave that rather pregnant phrase that he'll he'll do this in his own time, uh, without being put under pressure by 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 other countries, um, and and that's where it is. They don't the Ukrainians don't have superior air power. The Russians have that, um, and. Um, I think much like the Battle of Britain, where the, the Royal Air Force proved so instrumental um, in shooting down the German Luftwaffe in the Second World War, the fact that the Ukrainians don't have and can't have uh, domination in the air, I think he is basically inhibiting uh, to, to a catastrophic degree the the, um, the advances that the, that the ground-based troops are able to make. No, that in the 79th anniversary of the Battle of Normandy, remember Normandy wasn't just about D-Day. D-Day was the first day to kind of get across the beach and, and take the beachhead. The battle lasted and it was, I think, could arguably be the bloodiest battle of the entire Second World War in the West or by American troops and Allied troops, uh, not, not on the, the Russian front or not in China. It was combined arms and it was uh, air superiority by the the Royal Air Force and the uh, and the U.S. Army Air Corps that led to that victory. I mean, the 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 Luftwaffe at the time, and that was their biggest thing. They couldn't get there. Here's the thing: you talk about seventy seven thousand. We we have amazing intel apparatus and pictures and all that that are showing there. Here's what's so stunning about that excuse: to plant that and to do that and to dig in with this this uh, this iron ring that the Soviets, uh, Russians have done, much like they did in World War II and fighting the Wehrmacht, this wasn't under the cover of night. This is fairly easily detectable. When you talk about a scale like that, I'm not questioning Zelensky on the scale of it. Yes, it looks like they've done a tremendous job of mining this land. It looks like they've done a tremendous job of setting up tank traps and what you would do to fight against armor. Uh, and, uh, but that took a lot of labor and it took a lot of effort and it took a lot of time. H- how this has caught Zelensky and Milley and Austin in the West and all the big talk. I want to go back to the big talk. The big talk was that this was, you know, it's a lot riding on this and this is a high priority and this is what we're going to do. And, and Zelensky was talked a big game. We're going to go in and we're first going to go take the Donbass and then we're going to pivot. We're going to take Crimea. And that's what, by the way, we're not having any peace discussions. We're not having any. The Americans got to keep shoveling over cash, and now we understand we don't have the arms even to defend Taiwan, the ammunition, because we're shoveling so much of it into Ukraine, and we need more and more and more, and the West needs you know, fighter aircraft, we need more tanks, we need it from all of NATO, we need more armor personnel carriers, we need more artillery, we need all of it, and because the offensive is everything, everything's banked on the offensive, we're now going to drive uh, the Russians out, and we're going to start in eastern they're going to start in the Donbass, and then we're going to Sevastopol and Yalta and take all of Crimea. And here you're after, you could tell, you could feel the tip of the bayonet uh, from a London and from Washington, like, hey, guys, you got to get on with it. We're about up on the summer solstice. It's supposed to be in the spring. They started this thing, which is clearly half-hearted, and now they're claiming one of their big wins is they're, they're back around Bakhmut again. And they're trying to take back a couple of villages around Bakhmut. The eight villages you talk about, all this kind of marginalia in the first that I think even the Russians kind of abandoned in dropping back and, and, and digging down. In your purview of, of the Western leaders, and particularly NATO, all the big talk that came out of there, how is it surprising that the Russians mined all this, the Russians dug in, the Russians set up a, a iron ring and kind of dug in like the Russians have done from time immemorial Ben Harnwell? 
Well, Steve, my answer to that would be to, to go back to a point I, I'd made some time ago here on the war room, that this whole war was really being driven for the benefit, not really of, of Ukraine or, or President Zelensky or, or of Ukrainians themselves, that the war was being driven by a singular need, and that is the need of our sociopathic overlords to put themselves in front of a television camera and virtue signal, uh, specifically to show that they are they are leaders, they are moral leaders, you know, they're not men of talk and women of talk, they're these are folk of action and vision um, and leadership. Um, and nothing thrills these people more than their, than their photo op uh, conferences in, in in Strasbourg and Brussels and in the UN and they get together and say it's about democracy and we have to stop Putin. Putin's uh, crazy aggression. He wants to take over the whole of continental Europe and the world. You know, and, and, and these people who are irrelevant and detested and held with contempt by taxpayers are, are sort of gaslighted and forced to, to read about these exploits and antics in the newspapers and on, on the cable television channels. And that was the engine of it. The whole thing, Steve, has been mediatic from the get-go. I mean, I mentioned earlier um, Zelensky's uh, video call-ins to, to, to pop concerts and to, um, to, to, to awards, uh, awards ceremonies and, and, and song festivals and what have you. The whole thing was to keep was to keep him and his sponsors constantly in the media eye, getting those eyeballs, getting those attention. The actual reality of the, the military initiative on the ground was secondary. Um, and we sort of know this because, as we speculated at the time, as we had confirmed last week, Zelensky really didn't, you know, he's going like a two-bit comic actor. He didn't really want to have to fight and, and take his country through this uh, a war of this scale. And he was ready to quit after, um, you know, he'd made his point, he'd, he'd, he'd done his good talk, and he was ready to, to, to meet Putin's um, terms um, after a month. It was the US and Boris Johnson that, that sort of twisted his arm and told him that he wasn't allowed to give up. And that's why the whole country has been fed through the meat grinder. Yeah, I don't think President Biden particularly cared cares um, whether, whether the counteroffensive is delayed or whether you know whether they take eight con villages or eighty countries or eight hundred um, uh, villages. He just wants people to stand in front of the television cameras and do his shtick about being uh, the the leader of the free world um, and and a moral politician of conviction and, and all of the, the the secondary players in the European Union basically the same those who had been more serious people like Olaf Scholz in Germany or, or Emmanuel Macron um, in, in France they've been browbeaten into submission um, and obviously one can speculate against the the, the firm conversations that, that the United States will have had with these countries so, you know, they've all been browbeaten into following uh, President Biden's line on this, you know, and whether every single, you know, whether they literally fight for Ukraine's liberty down to the last Ukrainian or not, you know, there's, there's, there's no political force. In fact, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's not so much um, Zelensky who, who did a, a good talk, though, of course, he did. It's the West. It's Biden. Uh, it's NATO. These are the people... That uh, that won't let even now um, Zelensky, even if you even if he wanted to um, negotiate for a ceasefire, because it will be a humiliation for the West. This is the this is the corner we have talked ourselves into. Um, and yes, yeah, so, so Zelensky. That's what I'm saying. There's there's the, there's something going on with this Ukraine thing that that we got to figure out because it makes no rational sense. Real quickly. Um, the St. Peter, you mentioned uh, Putin letting out that Zelensky was basically ready to sign a deal a month into it until Boris Johnson and, and Biden came and said, we have your back, we'll talk to you. But that took place at the St. Petersburg conference. Just they, They've said that the second, the, the real part of that conference is going to happen in Durban in 60 days, where the, that, that group, the BRICS group, is going to announce an alternative, or they've teased or announced an alternative to the U.S. dollar. Uh, how much traction is that getting that Russia is actually leading with the CCP is actually leading 
really a, a developing world, a commodity-rich world uh, movement here, sir? Well, there is a lot of traction and interest in the development of the, the BRICS currency, the BRICS trading bloc. I think Egypt made a, a couple of days ago made an application to join. I mean, every couple of days, every week or so, another country wants to join this, this counter uh, political economic movement to the, um, to the U.S. military industrial complex, because they all countries basically around the world since the, since the end of the Second World War have found themselves on the wrong end. Of, of the military industrial complex, and they've all been picked off one by one and been browbeaten and been bullied, had their leaders assassinated and, and what have you, uh, had uh, popular revolts um, and, and social stability sort of sponsored by the say. All countries around the world ha- have, uh, have seen this uh, within their own borders, have uh, been powerless to do anything about it. That's why uh, when there's finally sort of uh, a, a movement that can provide strength in numbers, uh, countries are queuing up yeah. to join. So yes, it has traction, but the, the explanation of what is behind it, what I've what I've just outlined, outlined, that is absent from the debate. Um, there's no real explanation as, as to what the you know hey, 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 to, yeah. to what the motivating the factors one thing are. We, we, yeah. We're, we're we give you that. Uh, go to birchgold.com right now, Bannon slash uh, Bannon, and you're going to get the full uh, explanation of this. We're going to get we're doing the 60 days to Durban because this is a seminal event. Not going to immediately take away the dollars, the prime reserve currency, but this is the first time since the end of the second since Bretton Woods. It's really been challenged, and you've got to understand all of it. So go to the call to action here. It's quite simple. Just go to birchgold.com slash Bannon. You'll get all the information about this. And you also talk to Philip Patrick and the guys. Ask the question, why are the central banks of these nations buying gold at the greatest amount they've ever bought in their history? Ask that question and wait for the response from one of these specialists at Birchgold. Birchgold.com slash Bannon. Uh, real quickly, Ben, fantastic job. How do people get to you on social media? Thank you so much, Steve. Yep, yeah, um, I'm on Getter. My profile is my surname, Harnwell, at Harnwell and through uh, articles that go out by the newsletter on warroom.org. Tomorrow morning at 10, we're going to get into economics, some capital markets, the the, the, uh, reviews and reports on Americans' education are disastrous. We're going to get into all that, plus the CCP, the war, all of it right here, politics, polling. See you tomorrow morning at 10. Folks, let me tell you about Salty. It's a company that makes a soft gel supplement rich in antioxidants to help people like you and me keep a healthy heart. While COVID gets all the headlines, it's important to realize that heart disease kills nearly 700,000 Americans every year. Yes, heart disease is the number one killer every year, year in and year out. Heart disease builds over time. Hypertension, high blood pressure, bad cholesterol, diabetes, all of it affects our heart. A healthy heart is key to being energetic as we get older. It is never too early to take care of your heart. You see, heart disease sneaks up on us. You can start in your 30s, and when this happens, you're at serious risk by the time you turn 60. If you want to take care of your heart and those you care about, please go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com. All one word, warroomhealth.com. Use the code warroom at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code WARROOM at checkout to save 67%. Do it again. WARROOM HEALTH, all one word, WARROOMHEALTH.COM. Go there today. You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there. Do it today. Check it out.